Hi, welcome to The Church Split. My name is Will, and today we're going to talk about a topic that could split your church. Now, for those of you who've been following this channel for a while, this is a repeat video that I wanted to reteach through baptism. And that's because I actually got some things wrong in my baptism video, and I felt it was I needed to re, like redo it just to kind of set the air clear. So a lot of these notes are going to be similar, but I just got a few things wrong, and I wanted to make sure I clarified some stuff. So anyway, thank you for bearing with me here. If you haven't already and you like this channel or this video is a blessing to you, please like and subscribe to our channel. It'll help us grow, and we are growing pretty rapidly, but we like to grow more, of course. And if, if you are, again, feeling generous, uh, please go check out our Patreon page and give there if you'd even be willing to, you know, take me out for lunch at some point. Or you hate my guts and you don't want to. That's fine too. Hit dislike and leave me a hateful comment in below. I love those. There's always a fun time. So anyhow, guys, I want to talk about baptism. Baptism here, man, baptism has got to be one of the most hotly debated topics in Christian circles. Dealing with pedo-baptism, uh, baptism after salvation, is it baptism, you know, regularly? What do we do with baptism, you know? <laughs> Who would have known that a dip in the water could cause so many church splits? And this has caused a lot of church splits. Church splits so much that it has created its own denominations. Literally, I pastor a Baptist church which is its own denomination. So there's a lot of history here, a lot of things to cover. But guys, during the Reformation, this was a huge dividing line. You know, the Catholics always did paedo-baptism, meaning they baptized babies. And then you had the Reformers who, who would do that, but some of them disagreed on how this should be handled. And then you have the Anabaptists who believed that you should be baptized after, you know, you were saved. Well, what's funny about this is that, so when the Anabaptists emerged with this, the Holy Emperor Ferdinand, which is a horrible name, but Ferdinand commanded that the Anabaptists all be drowned. And he called it drowning their third baptism. Now, the reason why it's a third is if you think about it, most of them were probably baptized as babies. And then they believed, nope, you should be baptized after you get saved. So that's your second. And so that he thinks that, you know, submerging them and drowning them a third time is their third baptism, which is kind of dark. Kind of, kind of savage. I mean, I'm not going to lie. When I first read that, I, I actually laughed because dark humor is kind of funny to me. And I was like, wow, that's, that's savage. But uh, anyway, so obviously this is intense. So traditional baptism, baptism is kind of complex, but not really. But baptism has taken many forms over the years, right? So let's talk about the traditional baptism. Baptism has taken many forms over the years. There's been this idea of full immersion, you know, full dunking and coming back up, which is what I've done in my church. Uh, a sprinkling, you know, just taking a little little water and just <laughs> sprinkle it on their face a little with some jazz hands maybe but and then there's also infant baptism which I've seen some priests go crazy with infant baptism also I've seen it be beautiful and them just kind of wash water around them but the thing is is that baptism when you really look early on was not actually just a church practice so one of the biggest lies that we believe is that this is something that came out after Jesus Christ. But we forget the fact that baptism was actually a Jewish practice before it was a Christian practice. John chapter 1, verses 25 to 27 says this, they asked him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? And John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know. Even he who comes, with, comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was baptizing 
before Jesus was baptized. In fact, Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, which is kind of weird. And I'm not sure if many of you guys ever ever put that together. If you had a traditional view of baptism, you're going, wait, (laughs) how is he baptizing first then? Why do we baptize after salvation? Or why do we baptize babies? If it's a church practice, if, if John the Baptist was doing it before the founding of said church, all these different things. So I also was reading the book of Matthew today, and it was saying that he went and traveled and he baptized everywhere. He baptized in the Jordan and all these things. So here's the thing. The Jews baptized before we, as the church, ever has. The Jews knew what this practice was. That's why they're asking, why do you baptize? They just didn't understand why he was doing it. So that was their thing. Like, we know what baptism is. Why is he doing it? So, because he wasn't a Messiah, he wasn't a prophet or a rabbi, you know, he, was, he wasn't these things, so he, but yet he was baptizing. So here's the thing. Baptism is a Jewish practice called mikvah. Mikvah is a Jewish ritual practice. It's a ritual bath, so to speak. So we as Christians, maybe if you're traditional Baptist or something, you were taught that after one is saved, that is when they are baptized. You know, they're baptized once and only once because that's what we see in the New Testament. But what we don't realize that the mikvah, the baptism, was done not just in moments of putting faith and trust in God, but it was moments of commitment. In fact, the rabbis, when they, before they even penned the name of God, they would get a new quill and they would go mikvah, baptize, to make sure that they were cleansed ritually before they would write the name of God. This is a beautiful and powerful practice of cleansing. So before, so many people say that they would take part in this mikvah and or they take part in this baptism to show the fact that they are publicly declaring their faith in Jesus Christ. But that is not actually accurate to what mikvah is or was. This is what John was practicing. Is what the, the apostles practiced afterwards. In fact, when Peter baptized a bunch of people, he was there was a bunch of mikvah baths there. So that's why he baptized and people instantly knew what to do. Like you don't ever see people being like, wait, what do you mean baptize me? Why, what is this baptism practice you talk of? No, they all knew what it was because it's mikvah. They all had an understanding of what baptism was. In fact, they even, um, when, that's what you see with the, the eunuch and all of them was they all willingly got baptized because they knew what this practice was. So this was a practice before writing the name of God down. This was actually something that was done sometimes at weddings. This was, I mean, they baptized, the Jews actually literally baptized regularly. And in fact, you see this word baptizio in the Septuagint whenever they dipped anything. Like when Ruth, like I think she dipped her finger in butter, I could be wrong. But when she did that, they used the word baptizio, which is what our word baptism is. And that's the other issue here is the language, which we're going to talk about here in a second. So we know that this from uh, Jewish sources, uh, especially from the Mishnah Torah, that this was a thing that Jews practice. In John 1.31, he also says, I myself do not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And we also see the fact that he baptizes with water, but Christ was going to come and baptize the Spirit. And this is a big issue that we need to understand when we're looking at this. The Jews always looked at this as mikvah, as standard baptism, as this is a washing. And in the Greek, we see, of course, Baptizio, which is what we're getting into here. So we're going to, let's talk about the language of the word baptism. So the issue is with the topic of baptism is the fact that there is a lot of tra- uh, tradition behind it. There's a lot of baggage behind it. So we have a tendency not to understand it properly. So baptism is a transliteration, not a translation of the Greek word baptizio. Now, 
what is the difference between a transliteration and a translation? Okay, well, a transliteration is taking it from the same word from maybe the Greek tongue and bringing it right into English with an English tongue. So, baptizio to baptism. They sound almost the exact same. That's the point of a transliteration. A translation would be something more like if Germany is called Deutschland, it is translated in English as Germany. They, are, they sound completely different from one another. That's a difference between a translation and a transliteration. Transla transliteration is taking the same word and bringing it into your language in a way that sounds almost probably just like the exact word, so it's the exact same word in your language. Or a translation, which is completely changing the word to fit a definition anyway. So, baptizio. Baptizio means to dip repeatedly, to immerse, or to submerge. You know, this is the idea of, you know, vessels sunk, they were submerged, they were baptizioed, they were baptized. To cleanse by dipping or submerging, or to wash, to make clean with water, which is what mikvah is, to wash oneself, or even to bathe. Also, we see that the word baptism is used in another way, which means to overwhelm, which this makes sense because, you know, when you're being baptized, not only are you being submerged, not only are you being cleansed, but you're also kind of being overwhelmed by the water coming on you. But this, we see multiple baptisms mentioned in scripture. We see the baptism of creation to life in Genesis 1 and 7 and 2 Peter 3 and all these places. Baptism of Moses from Egypt, which is uh, Exodus chapter 14. Uh, the baptism of ritual cleansing, which is what we're talking about, mikvah, which is Leviticus 8, 5 through 9, Numbers 8, 6 through 7, 19, 13, and, 20, and verse 4. Baptism of John unto repentance, the baptism of Yeshua into his body, the baptism of the Spirit of God for ministry. So we see this idea of the cleansing of, the overwhelming of, of in other cases. So it's not just water dip. Okay, when you have this idea of just it's water dip, you have a completely wrong idea historically of what baptism means. So the problem is that in, the, in our English translations, a lot of times translators just transliterate it the way they always have, baptizio or baptism. So we also see that there's a baptism of fire for purification, you know, an overwhelming of, of trial for purification. So clearly this means more than just water submersion. So when, when you, if you have a traditional view of this, it means more than just water submersion. This is how this gets confusing, that baptism somehow saves us, okay? This is, you know, people, is, is it salvation by water or by spirit? You know, are we saved by water? Or do, is baptism necessary for salvation or is it not? Well, we can say this, that it is, no, it is, baptism is not necessary for the Christian, nor is it necessary to be saved. Now, 1 Peter 3.21 says this, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Not as a removal of dirt from your body as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, people oftentimes appeal this like, whoa, see right there, baptism now saves you. Remember what baptism means. It doesn't mean just a dipping in water. It means to cleanse. Cleansing, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Or baptism, which means submersion or overwhelming. There's more to it. But also, he also has a clarification statement. This verse clarifies that it's not a dip, but as it is as an appeal. So it's not by a dip, but as an appeal. Baptism saved and baptized, cleanse or cleanse and submerged by the Spirit is what saves us. So this here, notice the clarification statement, not as removal of dirt from the body. So in other words, it's not the water. It's not being dipped in water that saves you, but as an appeal to God. So this is an, the idea here is that it is the idea of being cleansed in something, not water dipped. In fact, Acts 1.5 says this, 
For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now again, if baptism was necessary for salvation, that it would be very strange word, verbiage, wouldn't it? That he would say, oh, well, this guy's doing it with water, but I'm going to do it with spirit. That's very weird verbiage if it's necessary for salvation. And as I mentioned before, in Acts chapter 8, we see the Ethiopian eunuch using water baptism. Water baptism takes place in the New Testament for sure, but this is the mikvah. This is something the Jews have practiced for a long time. It's a Jewish practice that the church does still today in baptisms. So, however, it was never about being baptized by water, but by being baptized with the Spirit. So, this was actually oftentimes used, so it's not so much of showing publicly your faith for Christ, as much as it is showing the inward cleansing that takes place. So, in fact, we actually see this uh, being baptized after already receiving the Spirit. So, here's the thing. If, and I want to talk about this. Some people believe salvation is that baptism is necessary for salvation which we know that those who are saved, those who have received salvation, have received the Holy Spirit. The thing is, is that if baptism was necessary for salvation, we would not see this Holy Spirit preceding baptism. We wouldn't see the Holy Spirit coming before someone is baptized, right? But in Acts chapter 10, 4 through 48, we see this. 44 through 48, yeah, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word, and the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed, because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. So notice the Spirit is poured out, so these people are saved, they're justified, they have the Holy Spirit. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So these people were saved and now we're being baptized. It wasn't they were baptized and then were saved. So we need to notice which, which one precedes the other. So it is not necessary for salvation. He commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to remain for some days. So notice that as well. Peter was a Jew who was familiar with the mikvah. Peter was a Jew who was familiar with the mikvah which is why he was commanding it, which is why he was doing it, which is why Jesus was baptized. He was mikvah himself because rabbis, Jews, had to go through mikvah in order to be considered a rabbi. This was tradition. This was something that had to happen because it's a cleansing ceremony. It's indicating the inward cleansing externally. I am now washing my out, the outside of me the same that has been washed on the inside of me. It, you know, it wasn't, a bunch of people didn't have to be there for this event. It wasn't this big public declaration. It was simply a ceremony of representation. So notice this is never said to symbolize the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ either. We, we say that in our churches, but that's not really what it says. Uh, it's a ritual bath to symbolize the inward purity that you have. That's what baptism is, and baptism always has been. Uh, we, as a church, kind of in our tradition, have redefined it to a degree, but that's not what it was scripturally nor historically. So we are baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ. This is the requirement for the Christian, to be baptized by the Spirit into the body. You know, I find it really weird. Uh, in, in Baptist churches, they oftentimes define the church as um, a group of baptized believers. And then they always push the fact that, you, you know, you need to be baptized. If you get saved, you got to get baptized. Meanwhile, they go, yeah, but is, is baptism necessary for salvation? They go, well, no. And you're like, but you're required to be part of the church? They're like, well, yeah. To be, have church membership, you have to be baptized. And I'm like, okay, but is not the church the body of Christ? Yes. So when someone has faith in Christ, they're part of the body, right? Yes. But they can't be part of your church. No. Square that circle. It's illogical, and it's actually contradictory. 
Baptism has always been the, by the Spirit. That is the most important thing. Salvation is baptism by the Spirit. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ baptizes you in the Spirit, and then you can, as with any commitment, because well, that was the thing, when people would repent and make commitments to God and repent, they would go through mikvah. They would cleanse themselves. So this was a one-time deal for Jews. They would do mikvah regularly. So, I, so here's the thing. It's either faith plus something equals salvation, or it's faith plus nothing equals salvation. That's all there is to it. There's no either or. Um, it's not, no, there's, there's no both and, I should say. It's either or here. It is either faith plus nothing equals salvation or faith plus something equals salvation. And most Christians would agree with that, but I just find it funny that we kind of get this mixed up and in our, in our ideology isn't quite right, historically speaking. And 1 Corinthians 12, 13 makes it clear. For in one spirit, we are all baptized. For one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greek, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Here it is, right here, plain as day, guys. Salvation has always been through faith and is baptism of the spirit. And then we also see if, if salvation was necessary for salvation, we would find this Paul's flippancy toward it in 1 Corinthians 1 to be weird. He says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. I did baptize also the house of Stephanas. Beyond that, I do not know whether I baptized anyone else. He's going, as to my knowledge, I don't think I baptized anyone else, but because of all your problems, I'm thankful I did not baptize more because you guys would be weaponizing that against Apollos and your brothers and sisters even further. So guys, this here, we, again, if it was required for salvation, Paul's flippancy toward it would make no sense because he'd be like, no, I'm glad I baptized you so at least you're your filthy mongering selves would at least be saved. But he's not saying that. He's going, no, he had a, there's a weird flippancy here that wouldn't be present if it wasn't for, if it was required for salvation because we see that Paul is very big on bringing people to Christ. So if baptism equals salvation, uh, uh, salvation, this would be very strange. So instead he points that it could have just caused more division even if he baptized more. And we see right here, now let's, let's address this. Okay, so naturally what people are going to say is they're going to go to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and Holy Ghost. And people go, see, ha-ha, right there. But remember, baptism doesn't just mean a water dipping. That's not what it means. Baptizing also means to cleanse or submerge. So if you think, remember, this is a transliteration, not a translation. So if we try to translate this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, cleansing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, or submerging them in the name of the Father and Holy Ghost, or overwhelming them in this. You see, it's not just a dipping of water. We see the word baptism used in a lot of other ways. So anyway, baptism is not a requirement for salvation. It's just not. And it's not actually what the church traditionally teaches either. It's not that. So it's a ritual cleansing, as I've said a few times in this video. It's a ritual cleansing. To choose to engage in this ritual is awesome. And you can engage in it more than once, by the way. If you're recommitting your life to God, if you've been astray and you repent, you can go ahead and acknowledge it in mikvah. But it's not a requirement to the strictest sense of the word, if that makes sense. It's not a requirement to the strictest sense. So churches require baptism by water. If you require it, this is actually kind of silly, to be honest, because even Paul is thankful that he didn't baptize some. And also we see the fact that this was a, this was a ritual that was used by Israel 
to acknowledge the cleansing that has taken place. So, you know, so anyway, uh, if you're requiring it, it's a little silly because that's not exactly what it was historically speaking. It did not save you and it did not make you somehow now more part of the body of believers than before. So some churches refuse to do it. Um, by saying that it's a work of salvation as well. Some people are like, well, we don't do works, and baptism is a work. Um, and that is also equally silly if you just don't baptize uh, because, you know, again, the Jews did it. You know, we see the apostles did it. There's no, nothing wrong with doing it. It's just the idea of, you know, if you're, you know, if, well, we are adamantly opposed to it because we're not Jewish. Well, guys, you're kind of missing the boat a little bit there too. Okay, let's just be honest because, again, they did it. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not a sin. It's not a nature of sin or not sinfulness. This is a ritual. Okay. So both of them seem to be extreme responses. We have people who require it to be part of their church, and we have people who won't do it at all. These are both very extreme responses. This is a liberty that we can choose to engage in. Okay, I'm just going to put it that way. It's a liberty we can choose to engage in. So uh, we see Paul in Ephesus in Acts 19, verses 1 through 5. And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So we have believers here who haven't even received the power of the Holy Spirit yet. Um, and they said, No, we have not heard of the Holy Spirit. And he said, in, that, in what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. So in other words, water baptism. They were baptized by water. And Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, so just turning away from, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. So they were first baptized into repentance and this idea of water baptism. And then he, he, uh, Paul's going, hold up, there's Jesus Christ. You need to be baptized in his name. So this is interesting anyway. But we even see that these people choosing to be re these people here were choosing to be rebaptized in the name of Christ once they fully understood it. So again, if rebaptism was always wrong, as some people teach, then this here doesn't make sense. So remember, mikvah was done more than once even in, in a person's lifetime. Baptism was done by immersion, sure, but the methods seem to matter less than the symbology itself as well. So people who are, like, who are in the military who might be getting baptized with just simply a, a canteen of water, they are just as baptized as somebody who was submerged. So it seems like the, the way that this has been executed has been different historically because it's always meant to be a ritual. And rituals are good when they're done in a godly fashion and the way that God commanded us to because it brings our mind and our spirit into the, into the idea of what's happening. It's humbling. So anyway, after all, Jesus came to baptize us with spirit. That's the point. So with this new understanding of what baptism is, mikvah, with the, and the definition of baptizio in mind, I want you to read some of these verses. Galatians 3.27, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. So remember, cleansed, things like that. Remember what baptism means. Acts 22, 16. Now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So that's interesting. You know, he's talking about washing it away. This is part of that cleansing mikvah is, is what it symbolizes. Mark 16, 16. Whoever believes and baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. So whoever believes and is baptized. Well, contextually here, whoever believes and is cleansed will be saved, right? 
Mark 1, 4 through 5, John appeared, baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and all the country of Judea and Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Notice this here is again talking about the idea of we are repenting and turning away from, and now we are going through this ritual bath that Jews had participated in multiple times probably in their lifetime. So to hit the point home, that water baptism is not a mainstay of things. It is not necessary for, for a Christian to be saved. It is simply a ritual. It is ultimately about being separated unto Christ. That's what this is. It's, it, okay, we're cleansing ourselves. We're separating ourselves unto Christ, as we have done many times in our lives with other things. So here, Ephesians 4, 4 through 6. There is one body and one spirit, just as you are called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So this is, that is the point of baptism, guys. I want you guys to understand that this is the point of baptism. It's, it's a separation, essentially, of saying, I'm putting away my old self and putting on the new. I am cleansing myself physically now, physically, of what has already been done spiritually. Because remember, in Israel, Every single physical action also had a spiritual action, which is why they couldn't touch certain things that were dead. They couldn't touch or partake of certain things because there was a spiritual implication to everything they were doing. So therefore, baptism is the same way. If I was cleansed inwardly and I need to wash myself of my sin and confess it to God and get right before God, I needed to partake in baptism, which means if I've been following wrongfully or I'm recommitting something, like if I was a Jew who didn't know Jesus Christ as Messiah, find out he was Messiah, oop, this is a big spiritual reset button, time to also participate in mikvah again. That is the point here. That is what mikvah has always been. That's what baptism is, has always been. So when you're reading the New Testament, have this new understanding. Have this understanding of what mikvah is, what baptism is, what baptizio means, and don't Oh, just look at it through a lens of tradition that has been taught to churches for, for a long time now. Uh, that, is a, that is the issue of sometimes tradition kind of takes over historically what something was. And is it a big thing to separate over? No. Is it a good distinction to make? Yes. I do believe it is helpful because I think a lot of churches wouldn't have split and separated or have odd requirements that they had proper understandings of what baptism was. So anyhow, thank you guys for tuning into the church split. Appreciate it. Leave any thoughts below in the comments. And if you think I'm a heretic, please go ahead and tell me. Why not, right? So anyhow, uh, thank you guys for tuning into the church split. Take care.